0: Welcome to the still somewhat new music conversation podcast right behind us. I'm your host, Brandon Daniel of the Seattle band BD and the Sheiks. Here we talk to recording artists the way we often do when we're playing a show together, giving you, the listener, an opportunity to hear your favorite artist or next favorite artist speak candidly about their music, their process, challenges and limitations, things that suck, and things that are amazing. Today, I'm talking to Chris Cheveo, of texas now of seattle he used to be in a group called rose windows and now he's in a group called dream house that's his new project which i'm going to play you a little bit of on the way into this conversation i had a great time talking with him and i have to say it's one of those conversations that really is like the musician conversations we have uh backstage or whatever we're really just kind of shooting the shit but i get to learn some interesting things about chris like um the fact that he grew up in kind of a ghetto and 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 used goth uh, and and goth music and goth style to kind of scare off uh, the saltier characters in his neighborhood and not become a gang banger, uh, which was really interesting. So we're going to get into it. Let's hear a little bit from Dreamhouse. Before we do, I got to tell you about our sponsor today, Blumenstein Audio. Check out Blumenstein Audio for the ultimate fidelity single driver speakers, subwoofers, and audio accessories for music lovers. Blumenstein is delivering a new line of killer speakers for the holiday season for the new year like their paired speakers, the Marlin, their full range, the Triton, and the new super sexy benthic bass unit. They've handcrafted their entire line here in Washington State by hand since 2006 from Bamboo and Birch Woods. You can receive a 10% discount on your order of these ultimate hi-fi speakers when you enter the promo code BD for Brandon Daniel on checkout at B-L-U-M-E-N-S-T-E-I-N-Audio.com. Alright, now for DreamHouse.
1: promises are gone
0: with this guy from Austin yeah and is he up here in Seattle right now no he still lives in Austin he he's
1: a studio tech in Austin oh okay probably one of two other guys maybe uh huh and uh he's done he works for uh, Brian Beatty who did uh you know Daniel Johnston Bill Callahan oh cool I guess his clan to fame is probably uh the Dead Milkman mhm um, and, uh, yeah, he's, uh, old best friend, known him for 10 years.
0: Oh, cool. Did, so, did, did you, uh, grow up in Austin?
1: Uh, no, I grew up in San Antonio, but I oh, mean, okay. yeah. you know, it's like growing up in Tacoma here as Yeah, as you turn yeah. 18. Nah, stretch. yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so, awesome. So when did you start, um, playing music then in San Antonio when you were a kid?
1: Yeah, probably 14, I mm-hmm. think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, around then. Oh, what so. were you getting into?
1: Um, you know, my dad's music. I kind of feel like, yeah. you know, Black yeah. Sabbath, you know, like metal. You yeah. like metal, so I like metal. <laughs> so that's where I started. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, what was the instrument?
1: Guitar. Um and drums. It seemed like I started them at the same time.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um so, what was the first uh first band were you on drums or guitar? Uh,
1: I would say I was on drums it was oh. they made me play for church, uh-huh when oh, the drummer nice. didn't show up. oh, that's great, so you know, <laughs> yeah, first experience, I guess
0: what were you raised?
1: um I wasn't raised any religion I was a teenager when they started going to church, so oh right. I had that same experience. It's um, yeah. funny. So, you know, they it was evangelical. hmm mm-hmm. Psychos. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's crazy to go from, like, no religion to evangelical. Yeah. It, Somebody got some guilt put on them. Like,
1: definitely. Yeah. <laughs> old Catholic guilt, I think, that I never got to experience. Really. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, although... I think that's been a platform for writers who have been, you know, Catholic. I I have a ton of Catholic guilt in my family, and they're not even really practicing Catholics. They They just practice the guilt. They just practice the guilt. That guilt just got passed on down from, like, many generations of Irish Catholics. But, um, so San Antonio, and you played in church for the first time, and then what was your first, did you play in a band in school? Uh, no.
1: Well, I guess so. I had a couple of friends I played with. Um, yeah, I mean, that was 1997. Mm. So, Marilyn Manson had just come out. Uh, <laughs> we were super into that. Yeah, you know, that was fun. That
0: was like a, a nice marriage of pop and, and metal.
1: Yeah, so, you know, that yeah. was like my band you know. Yeah. My parents didn't show me that. I discovered that on my own. Uh huh. So, I kind of. I think that I went down that rabbit hole for a while. Yeah.
0: Were you a goth kid? Yeah. Yeah. Love that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you hear Marilyn Manson on the Brett Easton Ellis podcast? No. Yeah, there's like two episodes.
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah. I haven't followed him too much. I mean, like most people, I sure. followed him till around, you know, 2000, 2001. Yeah. yeah. And then just sort of. Lost Touch, he put a tune out last year, and I thought it was really good, but I never actually went and got the record and listened to the rest of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's... I just
1: thought the one song was good, so <laughs> <laughs> it was a good, it's a good gateway drug, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I found all sorts of things that I still listen to now from that. Like what? You know, Skinny Puppy. I still dig mm-hmm. their stuff. Uh, Bajas, mm-hmm. you know, and then the Associated Acts, Love and Rockets, and Tones on Tail. Mm Mhm. So uh, you know, the cure. Right. Every you know, when you go down that goth hole you find all of those bands and Yeah. Um I still still jam that stuff, so
0: When I was in high school I was into you know, the red hot chili peppers and that led me to Iggy Pop. Yeah. I guess yeah, and definitely connection there. And meters actually. Yeah. Wow. So I mean there's just like and uh there's yeah. There's always there's always a route to really great artists. Yeah. Through surprising ones. <laughs> <laughs> really bad route to really great artists. <laughs> I, I I gotta say I mean Red Hot Chili Peppers. We 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 now call them the Chai peps. Yeah. They gotta be uh, a guilty pleasure for sure. I mean, there's the stuff that I love. Then I still enjoy now. The stuff that they've come out with recently is hard to enjoy but but I'm also not a kid anymore you know so I, I, it's hard to like get into to kind of I don't know I, well, I can't think of a, of, of a term to put it in but yeah you know, silly music and
1: yeah you just expect more I guess
0: yeah and I don't know I mean it, it, are they you know, are, are artists like Marilyn Manson and 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 Red Hot Chili Peppers capable of holding up the aesthetic that they set for themselves? Yeah, unintentionally. I'm that's sure. got to be exhausting. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: I think they they lose a lot of subtlety, mm-hmm. and I think that's important mm-hmm. in music. You know, there is no subtlety at all in Marilyn Manson anymore. But uh, in the beginning, I felt like since I don't think he knew what he wanted to sound like yet, then mm-hmm. there was subtlety in the music, and it was enjoyable
0: and. Yeah, I heard that put about uh, his mentor um, in Nine Inch Nails, that um, you know Trent Reznor can he could actually make a record that sounded like anything. Yeah, and it would be okay. Although he's not going to, obviously, he's very committed to his mm-hmm. you know electronic mix live band um, gothic uh, sounds, but he he somehow set up this kind of variation to his sound where it's like he can actually go ahead and do whatever.
1: Yeah. I wish he produced more records for other bands.
0: Oh, who else Oh, would you like, like he did for Maryland? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That record he did the two that he did for him were, I mean, it's freaky. Yeah. Listening to it. It's like, it's a, I can't even think of how obsessive you have to be to make a song with like all these different guitar tones. Mm -hmm. And he routinely would do songs with, you know, two or three different drum sounds entirely. And you could tell that he would just track all of these things. And then I just imagine the mix being like, over a hundred
0: tracks <laughs> <laughs> yeah and only somebody like him being able to like yeah to know. just obsess over Obsessed it and then doing it
1: down to this very focused thing yeah that he was on when he did that he did that and he his own record the fragile you know around the same time and both of them are just sonically mm-hmm. you know i i feel like maybe they talked about it then or Maybe not, but I felt like he used the studio like Brian Eno did, mm. where he, it was like an instrument to him. Mm-hmm. And maybe he still does that now, but like I said, a lot of the subtleties lost, so you just hear this kind of yeah. flat sound that he has now that it doesn't. there's not a whole lot of variation in it anymore.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember if I even heard the new Nine Inch Nails stuff. It's interesting. I remember him saying a thing, Trent Reznor saying a thing about um, how he... went through a hard time uh, maybe a decade ago where he had a hard he was having a hard time convincing himself that he could still do it yeah which I think is really interesting you know those kind of delicate uh, self-esteem pitfalls that Mm -hmm. even well accomplished musicians can have yeah yeah I don't think we even heard from him during that period. I think that was why he was kind of explaining it.
1: Yeah, it's a... He did a soundtrack kind of record mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. There was no singing in it. It was just all Oh. instruments and arrangements. Yeah. And that was pretty nice. But yeah I don't know rock and roll is fickle, you know so yeah <laughs> yeah you're good at it for a while and then that's it, you know I mean
0: so uh speaking of the south again, yeah <laughs> Trent being from or uh residing in in New Orleans um are you going down to Texas to do the dreamhouse tracking? Oh, we're doing it here oh yeah he's coming. Bringing up. him up, yeah, yeah, it's um, cheaper that way
1: it is I think he wants to move here oh okay so and you know
0: does he have any idea for him idea doing what stuff that I feel like, okay. like does he have any idea what the weather difference is like oh yeah yeah he's
1: been here we you know I did a, a record with him uh, before I had this band oh and then okay. I put the I'm putting the recordings out under this name mm. but none of the members play on those songs oh cool uh, I did it i went to austin and we worked on it together um so this is kind of the reason also why we're recording so quickly mm. you know mm-hmm. is now that i've figured out a sound now it's like that we can do this you know bring yeah. him up but yeah. he i brought him up before we mixed the record we had recorded at avast so oh
0: yeah yeah a or b b b is good yeah, great room yeah. for mixing. It's yeah. like
1: the room for mixing. <laughs> yeah, it is the
0: room for mixing. A
1: sort of lies to you. <laughs> yeah. a, a tells you there's
0: not a left low end, and then
1: that's all there is when you listen in. to yeah. it.
0: <laughs> that's true. A uh, A is great for like big atmosphere. Yeah. You know. And uh, tracking. Yeah.
1: You know that yeah. A range.
0: Live live room like. Uh, big live room, you know, three four members playing in the same room
1: and you get to you know track on a super rare board yep that trident that trident that a range so
0: where is that one from isn't that one from god he told me this story and i totally forgot i know i didn't i i, I heard the story but it was years ago i've so.
1: heard lots of stories about where boards come from
0: oh absolutely <laughs> i mean even aaron has a trident board
1: yeah he does
0: uh aaron from um buildings recording studio here in Seattle um, so are you uh, so I'm kind of confused are you uh, working on are you are you mixing the tracks that you already did or is he actually going to capture your new band new band
1: you yeah, know we same songs no like redo no, no additional yeah additional I'm kind of crazy a song writer mm-hmm. I, I write a lot of songs so really yeah
0: so you're prolific yeah how so? Like
1: that. Make that word makes it sound better than it is. <laughs> yeah, it does. Most it of does. it's garbage. Oh, I know. Prolific is a great word to make you sound I, just yeah. like brilliant. You know. Yeah. I try not to use that word because it makes it sound better than
0: it is. Well, I appreciate that too because I oftentimes think that prolific artists are misguided. Like, yeah. Know, like, there are some famous examples, and I won't point them out. But there are some people who write a ton of songs, and I feel like, yeah, but those aren't even really album tracks. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know why they recorded them and put them <laughs> out, but you know, I wouldn't, um, they just seem a little half baked. Mm-hmm. Now I also admire that, that, that kind of, uh, prolific writing ability because I only go through, that only happens to me in like ebb and flow, mm-hmm. you know, like it comes and goes. Um, I, uh, so I'm really interested in that with you. like, how does it work for you? What, being... uh, it's the same way, but I think,
1: you know, it's uh, surfing a big wave right now. <clears throat> and it's lasted for two years now, it seems like.
0: That's a big wave. So oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's Something good
1: has to come out of it at some point. You know? Totally. I don't know.
0: Well, obviously you felt like some did, or you yeah. recorded the, the new Dreamhouse stuff that you already mm-hmm. had.
1: I think I, you know, I was doing. Rose Windows before, Mm -hmm. so the record I recorded before by myself was. Pretty much just reject songs, that I didn't that you
0: that you. Proposed to Rose Windows.
1: They just you know some of them didn't work or, or uh, I think that, we we started writing songs together. Mm -hmm. And so it became less of. You know, me just showing everybody a song and then it being a thing. Yeah, um, and yeah. also edit myself. Right. <laughs> so there was did stuff that I was like, I kind of like this song. It doesn't work for this band, but I still like it. Yeah. So of then course. I recorded those songs. Yeah. So, um,
0: and you felt those actually kind of continued into a style, like they had a sound in and to themselves. They weren't just all over the place.
1: Uh, they were totally all over the place, but the last two that we did had a sound and I was like this is cool it's too bad I found it this late (laughs) but this is cool right right. and then so that is what we really concentrated on when I got uh, Dreamhouse together yeah or those two songs and making more songs with that feel
0: so is that like a seven inch type of thing um those two songs we
1: did uh I did the Wound Liquor tape Mm mhm that tune and and another on it Mm mhm uh, and then we all recorded 2hB that Roxy music cover with Schroeder oh cool yeah yeah and uh, and then we have an I have an EP coming out from that record uh, there's like four oh. or five songs
0: so it, it, once you found that style you started like adding
1: yeah to it so I'm cool. gonna you know put that out and I mean honestly it's mostly to have mm-hmm tapes to sell mm-hmm. you know they're like demos basically yeah so and uh during that time while we'll i have that we'll be able to be recording and working on something and you know being no rush
0: yeah at all um so with the rose windows thing does when rose windows started out you were you bringing them songs and yeah. then, and then they would Because there's a lot of writers in that band. Was it, did it start out as you? Uh, It started out as me. And I
1: mean, in in the end, I still wrote most of the songs. Right. Um, I mean, it was a band just like this one. Uh I demoed songs. I put, had a bunch of tunes already before I got the band together, and then I got the band together. Mm -hmm. And we did the first record, you know, pretty much with me writing the tunes and arranging them. And then the second one was, you know, we started to... I mean, by then we'd been touring forever. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or so it felt. So we were, you know, we were working on stuff all the time. Uh Uh-huh. So it became more collaborative on the last album.
0: I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I I think, like, one of the most important questions that musicians, not just myself, uh, would have for you in that in your unique situation with uh going from rose windows to Dreamhouse, w- when you're a, a a significant label artist and that large group that you have for very understandable reasons you know breaks up mm-hmm. although i'm sure the timing was kind of frustrating because you had really good momentum oh yeah um <laughs> do you get to keep that relation with the label like for, for Dreamhouse I mean do you do you get to to, to, to keep that uh, relation with the label going forward into your new work um,
1: no I mean but you know them and you know yeah. all the people that you worked with going through things and I, I think it's it can be a little scary really because yeah uh, you could either be like, "Whoa, that's cool," you know, or like, uh, <laughs> "Not as cool as the other thing," you
0: know. I mean, that that's a very real thing. So you could record it, share it with them, and they may be. Yeah, because yeah, I know yeah.
1: you know because I know them, but it doesn't mean that it's like. There are a million reasons why label won't pick up a band. Sure. You know? Yeah. And. It. My time being on one and being around it all the time, I noticed that most of it was timing. Yeah oddly enough like they would be really into something but timing there's we have no room for release yeah we can't release this because our calendar is completely full with all the stuff we've already picked yeah
0: you know that happened to me once with a label where they said uh, we were you know I mean even had like the in person meeting took me to lunch or whatever Mm -hmm. we really like this but we have a group that's too similar yeah and I'm like yeah I bet not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know sure. so they they had a group that was too similar that was having a hard time selling oh right you know Yeah. and it's like you know, that's pretty narrow mindedness but I mean you have to be as a business person if you want to try to make money
1: yeah and you also I don't know it's a different world out there you don't need it as much
0: mm-hmm. yeah I know <laughs> right yeah that's... there are
1: all kinds of small labels that would put out press things print tapes uh, help you with PR. It's yeah, anybody's game out there. It's so saturated, and, you know.
0: Well, yeah, and I, I actually don't even think that it's like so saturated. I think it's just that it, it doesn't even it's not lucrative. So oh yeah, well, I think it was more saturated <laughs> when there, it was more lucrative, but now but uh, but now they maybe what is saturated is the other avenues. Mm-hmm. For sure, so know? many other avenues. Yeah, so many other avenues, um, and. You know, the next time I have a meeting with a label, that's going to be one of my first questions is, uh, and for sure a question done way before contract phase is, um, so how are you intending to make any money on this? You know, like, I'm <laughs> well, sorry. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, it's like, uh, weirdly,
1: who's it again? Like, uh, oh man, Black Sabbath. Mm -hmm. was on that one label and I think it was like someone you wouldn't even think like Melissa Etheridge or something like that (laughs) was putting out records a new artist on it and Black Sabbath was the flagship and she was able to put out records because they basically made the money for that for them you know for a label to support smaller acts they used the money from their bigger bands in order to promote the smaller ones sure yeah. I mean I pretty much noticed that that's the way it ran Right. So I think it still runs that way. It's like, they're willing to lose money on it if they dig it. Yeah. And they're even willing, sometimes, for a
0: long term, to lose money on something if they dig it. If they think it might go somewhere.
1: Yeah, you know, like... I love pissed jeans, you know, mm-hmm. they're on, they've been on Sub Pop for years,
0: uh-huh.
1: and they'll always be on Sub Pop, uh-huh. <laughs> but they'll, you know, they're never going to break even probably, <laughs> 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 you know what I mean, just, I don't, I just don't, I don't see them, you know, blasting on commercial radio yeah. and, you know, selling out, you know, uh, the key arena,
0: Right. you know,
1: but they're, I mean, if they dig it, they'll just, they'll stick with it.
0: Well, you know, one of the most surprising things... Second most surprising thing around the, the Paris um, terrorism attacks to me was that the concert that they attacked, you know, was the Eagles of Death Metal. Because I, I have friends uh, that are, you know... I have um, acquaintance to that group. And, um, and I didn't even know they were still going, let alone touring Europe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> with a show large enough to, you know, necessitate, uh, attention of terrorism. I mean, it, I, that's a weird way to put it, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, a, 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 show big enough to attack. Yeah. You know, we know groups that go over to Europe and play shows so small that they're, they're not in theaters. Mhm. Um but uh and and it's still an accomplishment, it's still a pretty cool thing to do. Yeah. Uh but that was so freaky when when I realized that you know it was the Eagles of Death Metal and, and and uh like I mean just to kind of connect that to the piss jeans thing. I mean they're obviously doing pretty well. Yeah. I did, but it's kind of so under the radar. Like you can do well these days and nobody knows. Nobody yeah around i guess you so knows. yeah 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 yes yeah, i, I feel mean did, bad you for that that exp- did you have that did you yeah me too <laughs> you just Sounds can't
1: so like, can't stop thinking about how, how terrible that would be
0: I, you know. I i i that i immediately felt uh a tremendous amount of empathy for them like cuz they're such a fun band too. I don't know if you've been to to their shows. That
1: I've listened to them, yeah. They put on
0: I've never seen them. They're so much fun. One of the funnest shows I've ever been to. And right. and uh so yeah, and then it kind of showed in that little clip of the performance that they had where like you know, there was some footage on the news or whatever. The bang bang man the one that started and the guy was like he was holding up his like V guitar flying V guitar like being silly about it like woo and then yeah he just goes oh, and he kind of drops the guitar and they all start to hustle off stage wow and yeah. their merch guy got killed
1: yeah he did well,
0: the merch right guy right at the
1: front door yeah it's such a bummer
0: can you imagine yeah. I mean you I, I don't I'm not that sensitive I'm not that fragile about these things but like I don't know that I would want to go on stage for a while.
1: Yeah. I mean, definitely change things, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: You never know how you're going to react
1: to things, but...
0: Well, like PTSD. Yeah. You might have, like, stage PTSD. Yeah.
1: For, yeah, definitely. Like the yeah.
0: dude from uh, Metallica, the... James, one of the... with the big flames. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I imagine he had some stage PTSD after getting burned like
1: that. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, or even... You know going on tour after losing a member like they did yeah. they yeah. lost cliff
0: yeah in a in a the the bus yeah you're supposed to be safe the bus yeah. i mean they probably still think about it <laughs> yeah you i don't think you probably ever stop thinking maybe about that's it. why they did that super lame uh documentary where they had a therapist come. yeah
1: <laughs> well it's weird is that uh, yeah. years later i mean i don't know i've never really lost anybody like that so i don't know how i'd react but you know, when that subject comes up, they mm-hmm. all just break down and start crying. Really? Yeah, still. <laughs> Jesus.
0: Yeah, it's crazy.
1: But, I mean, when you think about it, it's like... It makes know, sense, yeah. This guy you've been hustling with, jamming, touring with for years. Yeah. And but then, not Kirk,
0: because Kirk was his replacement,
1: right? No, uh, well, you know, uh, he's had two replacements. Oh, really? Yeah, Jason Newstead replaced him, Replaced him, and then, the, uh, Robert Trujillo, from, uh... Uh, suicidal tendencies
0: place bass and metallica. No. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's the right. Crab walking guy. He was yeah. in that. He was in that new yeah uh, documentary where. Well, it's not so new now. It was like no. a couple of years ago. It was man. It was pretty it was, hilarious at the yeah. time. I mean, it was really hilarious. It was actually the ballsiest thing they've done in a long time, just to release that thing, like let it go out.
1: Yeah, I wonder probably. if it was their choice. I wonder if they signed that they had to release it before they had even actually seen it, and then they're like, "Oh man!" But I feel like they took it in stride.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you're not gonna, you're not gonna bring down that shit at this point. You're not now for sure.
1: No. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm clearly a... <laughs> no amount of shame <laughs> just can ever bring them down. So <laughs>
0: I did think it was interesting how I'm. Um, I'm assuming you know we're part of the same generation and, and and when um when things were going down with Napster, and when Lars was speaking up about uh Napster, he was one he, the first to do it and mm-hmm. uh, the music for, you know file sharing stealing essentially what it was and is and you know he he came out so adamantly against it, and we all kind of like us high schoolers were like dude shut up you're just douche whatever yeah
1: man this might be weird to you but I never really used the internet back then I didn't even know what that was
0: no way really yeah
1: did not know what it was when they were talking about it like oh man Metallica sucks it's a thing about Napster and I was like no idea what that is. What are you talking about? I was still going to CD exchange, you know. Yeah. Well, I was working at one. Yeah. I was working
0: at it. I was working at You're a just like, yeah, so.
1: Napster, but it's like taking the job right out. From you.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I didn't. I mean, you're not looking for a career at that point. I, but, I wasn't you know. on the side of Napster at all. Yeah. I actually never thought that it was good. I used it, um, but sparingly. And uh I usually used it to check out new artists and I still bought a lot of CDs. Help that I worked at a record store, but um what's funny now is that he's totally he was he was totally right.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, they was gonna Yeah I mean it
0: it did exactly what he said it would do, like worst case scenario is what happened. You know, it it level in and I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing that the Majors are bankrupt. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, they at that time they were pushing out shit like Britney Spears, so... And they still do like One Direction and stuff like that, but I think that's always going to be around. It doesn't matter if there's a record industry or not.
1: Yeah, I read some article just recently that was like a Revenge of the Sith sort of thing <laughs> with Major Labels making their comeback with... Uh, Spotify and, things oh, like right. that. Yeah, getting getting in, getting their cut first, and then, you know, whoever else can get anything. I don't, I don't know. It's just yeah. Like... <laughs> How did that work?
0: How did that work with Sub Pop? Did with like Spotify and all that? Did that just kind of go towards your album sales?
1: Well, I mean, kind of. Um, you know, it's just pennies.
0: You mm-hmm. know. Oh, I know. So fucking ridiculous. Believe me. I've seen the numbers. I, I have the statements. They're yeah. horrific. Uh,
1: it was on there. It was like, uh, you know, it was in the contract that they were going to throw it up on YouTube and mm. throw it up on Spotify. And I was just like, I don't care. You know, cause, yeah. you know, for as a new band, I was thinking like the more people who have access to it, the better. Mm hmm. You know, I don't care. I don't expect to make anything off of this.
0: Oh, that, <laughs> it that's would be, the attitude you went into? What? Yeah,
1: I mean, I just, you know, they were, were we were an eight-piece band. Yeah. I just didn't see it happening, but it was fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you, know? you know, and I, you know, we are weird. It was weird yeah. music. It wasn't, I know it's on the radio. It <laughs> was know, pretty, pretty, it, it they was. They weren't going to play that on the radio. <laughs> it was pretty epic, though. <laughs> yeah.
0: Your 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 music always surprised me with its epicness, for sure. And the best use of that messed up, (laughs) 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 it really did. Though I mean, every time I heard it, I was like, I I don't know. There's just that kind of thing that you like. You you. um, I think you can't help but be jaded in a city like this, and just go, "Oh yeah, that band. I've been hearing a lot about them. So well, okay, let's hear this." and yeah. then whenever it was played I was like damn okay <laughs> <laughs> well good you know That's, yeah yeah it was gripping yeah it was gripping and um what is your goal with with, with dreamhouse now and, and, and I mean beyond recording I mean do you do you want to go down that avenue of, of, of signing again and 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 yeah. how is your Relationship to, to it changed now? Um,
1: I've been doing this so long that I'm okay with doing this yeah. longer. Yeah. You know, I don't... Uh, I honestly never really took a whole lot of comfort in life. Like, mm-hmm. living at a place and it <laughs> being my place and having <laughs> yeah. a bed and things. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I just... It's weird. I'm 32 now and I yeah. just recently got that stuff like last year. Signed to an apartment, put my name on a lease. I hadn't done that since I was 18. Wow. And I totally got evicted <laughs> when I was 18. <laughs> Never yeah. did it again. I slept on couches and toured all the time. I moved around a lot and always to play. Yeah, and from where to where to where? Just, I, man, let's see. I've lived in San Antonio, I've lived in Austin, i lived in Brownsville. Brownsville was weird but it was cool Brownsville
0: Texas right Texas. on the border of Mexico what is? Okay.
1: Um, I lived in LA San Francisco
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know uh, here
0: yeah and, what brought you here?
1: Um, I toured I was like 22 with a punk band we, oh, we yeah. were uh, went to on tour with the Attics. we were their opening band mm-hmm. and we played El Corzo when it was Graceland <laughs> yeah and uh I dug it here yeah. I had so much fun here yeah uh somebody uh I was just hanging outside and it was really early in the day realized we weren't gonna get a sound check so I was like well I'm just gonna stand in the rain until it's time to play yeah. I guess yeah. nothing else to do and then some girl uh who was you know they were about to start people were kind of showing up to get in okay and uh she was like you look like you haven't eaten in days and I was like I really haven't <laughs> and she took me to like Taco Del Mar or something like that uh-huh. and was like hey so uh, I'm going to hang out friend's house if you can get us into the show and I was like yeah so it was one of the few cities that I had been to and I had done this round like three times uh-huh. around America by this point uh-huh. and uh, I had so much fun here yeah and everybody was so nice that I was like I'm gonna come back here you know and it took forever it took like I don't know like four years or something like that Uh to finally be able to move here but I'd always intended that if I was gonna leave Texas again then I was gonna move here
0: I was just talking to um, Maria from Acapulco and and she's from Texas and she had a similar experience she thought Seattleites were sweethearts yeah But we have such a bad rap for being kind of cold and, you know, not... Yeah, well, I don't know. It's
1: different. Definitely different. I mean, Texas is uh, like it's landscape. Everything hurts, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I think
0: Texans are warmer.
1: Yeah, I mean, they can be. Yeah. Uh, It can be very sharp and to the
0: point. (laughs) Yeah, I thought Texans were going to be assholes until I tore through there a few times. And I was like... Well, actually, till I toured there the first time, and I was like, these guys are all right. You know, yeah. I thought they were going to be, they treat me like a freak for being a musician or whatever, and I'm sure there's, I'm sure you can find that, but oh, yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't find it in the, you know, yeah. music route.
1: Well, yeah, San Antonio and Austin are big cities, and mm-hmm. Houston's big cities. So. Dallas. I feel like everything's sort of glossing over and becoming the same thing as the internet draws yeah. more people together
0: yeah yeah Dallas is like Miami and uh, LA had a baby in the middle of Texas
1: yeah but nobody wanted to go to it you know whatever yeah
0: well the people who are there are pretty convinced it's the best thing ever
1: is there anything left at Deep Ellum <laughs> is there what? anything left at the Deep Ellum district
0: oh I don't know the last time I played there was like four years ago and it was looking pretty gentrified
1: yeah that was a Pretty spot. flipped.
0: Yeah.
1: It was huge when I was around twenty years old, twenty one years old. Yeah. And then it was just the more I went back, the more it was like it seemed like everything was closed.
0: I, I, I went to that bar that Dimebag Daryl owned.
1: Ah, uh, Dimebag, no. another man, scary. Yeah.
0: Well, at least <laughs> he was shot of... on stage. He was shot on stage. No, he really. That's how he died. It was on stage. I thought he got in an argument with a guy no, and the guy pulled he was out a gun jamming.
1: shot him. No, he was jamming. Playing music. Some guy came in the back way, shot him in the back of the head with a shotgun.
0: While he was playing While live. he was
1: playing his brother was watching because his brother was playing drums.
0: That's the brother connection. For some reason, I thought he, the guy had gotten in a dispute with his brother. No. And came and shot Dimebag. They were just
1: playing a show, and some psycho guy had a gun and he walked in the back door and just decided to kill somebody.
0: And it had nothing to do with Dimebag. No.
1: I mean, he was mad because they were doing another band and not doing Pantera.
0: <laughs> oh, that's some John Lennon shit.
1: Don't piss off metal fans.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's insane.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> aren't you glad you're not in metal right now <laughs> I am
1: yeah I'm glad there's no one fanatical about what I
0: do <laughs> uh, well there could be so look out <laughs> we, uh, we're, apparently we're, we're we're the targets of of terrorism now uh, I think it's big. I think that was just random bullshit apparently the guy apparently a guy had wanted to attack that theater previously is the newest news on that. Oh. And he had been found out by the French, you know, special police or whatever tracks mm-hmm. to terrorism. And so he uh and so that that just pissed them off even more. It just made it a bigger goal for them to do it. Wow. I and
1: can we, see how attacking something like that would be beneficial to them because Yeah, Uh, it's it's almost like a safe haven. What you consider a safe haven, cultural safe haven. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. It's like
0: us being, and 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 I think that this is a positive thing. It's like us being a show is us being liberated as a culture. Yeah, it's weird
1: because growing up, you're sort of brought up to think like you know, rock and roll is dangerous, or you know, I mean, I don't, I bet they don't think that now. But I mean, when I was growing up, there was still a little bit of that. Yeah, from you know the seventies, eighties, still totally. to carried over, into my parents, even having raised us on it, when they flipped, mm-hmm. turned to evangelical. Where you know it was like a, like this was this dangerous thing. But I grew up in the hood, mm. and I'd never been able to articulate why I was into it. Mm-hmm. But uh, just a year ago, I was talking to my mother, and we were going on about this place that we grew up in, and you know how they moved away and you know um and i didn't join a gang mm-hmm. and i didn't go the, the route that my neighbors and friends of mine that i grew up with mm-hmm. in my neighborhood went and i was like you know she she was like yeah we just felt like you know you and your older brother were smarter you know so because they had my little brother go to a, a private school mm. and and I was like, yeah, you know, honestly, I think it, you know, we didn't listen to rap music because, you know, we had created a sort of counterculture to it in that neighborhood by liking this other stuff and by being these things that were scary. Right. You know, like goth, because it scared them. So you wouldn't get picked on so much. Wow. And if you hung out in a group, then you were this big, scary, like Satan worshippers. That's what they right. would think. But that's what <laughs> you'd want them to t- think, because if you're walking home... I mean looking normal it's the hood and there's opportunism yeah you know they're they're just opportunists and it was like I'd never really been able to articulate that and as to why I was like that but I think it's like animalistic I dress scary so that I wouldn't be messed with yeah and so I wouldn't get hurt and then like this other thing so that it would drive me into a life that was away from what seemed typical yeah and yeah. around me pop music was rap and was that style was was turning into a gangster uh-huh. you know and hanging out with these people and ripping people off like that was pop music to me that was what everybody else was doing and we want to do that
0: so what did you think of Coolio's song when we were in like the 7th grade
1: dude it was cool yeah. that video was cool that guy was sweating the whole time everybody it was, was just going sweat.
0: around like rapping that song yeah you know Everybody, yeah, every kid that was like didn't matter what class level they were, they were into that.
1: But that train of thought is was... that how rock and roll turned into a safe haven. Mm. How it how it became like this thing that the rescued me out of becoming a that. Safe haven. Yeah, know, exactly. It's incredible. That's right. so incredible yeah. And then now, when you think about it, it isn't that hard for me or even my parents now to look at that concert as. A safe haven that mm-hmm. they destroyed, mm-hmm. and now you'll think about it every time you walk into this place. You're supposed to be safe and have fun in. Isn't that weird?
0: <laughs> it is so weird. But I mean, it's, it was the same way with you know airlines. Yeah. You know, and airplanes, um, and airports. Like the excitement of travel or whatever. Bus stations, train stations. Now, whenever we're in them, we're like a uh, public place. Yeah movie theaters movie theaters you know my drummer and I were in um that movie theater I think it was like a year before the attack in Colorado happened and it was just totally random because we were playing a show in Denver but we we're staying at Motel 6 outside of Denver like in Denver still but it was like kind of in the industrial area mm-hmm and so when we looked it up on the internet like where the closest theater was just happened to be that one because it's kind of like a suburb of Denver yeah And so we had gone and seen some action movie there or whatever in the same theater that the that sh- crazy shooting happened and it, it, it's so it's just so it's it's so weird like the, any public place is just gonna get ruined eventually by some form of madman or terrorism yeah
1: yeah so it's it's so scary and how normal it's becoming
0: yeah
1: yeah you know it's just i'm i don't know i, I can't tell knows. if it always was or the reporting is just sort of uh i don't i pay attention to it more but it feels like
0: no, it's you it's, just sort the of frequency like I, I, yeah, yeah.
1: Now there's like mass shootings; they don't even report, <laughs> like like there there was w- there weren't enough people, you know, <laughs> <Like> <laughs> not enough people died. You know, some somebody just randomly walked in, shot at a bunch of people. We're not gonna
0: report it because they're really good at reporting it right when it's happening. I appreciate that about our media now, but what I don't appreciate about them is that they continue to gloritize in a sense the the worst of it after the fact they keep it going for days they keep talking about it maybe too long like it's it's, it doesn't actually benefit us to hear the same news in 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 greater detail over Mm -hmm. and over and over and over again just giving anyone who wants some kind of negative fame an opportunity yeah and i I don't know that's maybe too political but i but just i i I just get irritated with it definitely um so on to uh back to the the dream house recordings there you're about to do these when uh second
1: week of december is when we start
0: cool so probably a, a 2016 release
1: uh maybe yeah i'd be surprised i don't know the way these things work it probably wouldn't be out till 2017
0: seriously it,
1: well it's you know it's going to be multiple sessions uh, saving up yeah to pay for all the studio time and yeah and
0: uh no I'm, I'm i'm almost at the end of a project exactly like that so i totally you, understand yeah, that yeah
1: like i mean it's you would hope that you, it wouldn't be so long, but even when you finish it, you know, if you find someone to put it out, they still need time Yeah. to yeah. get it pressed and to get everything, yeah. you know, the release, the press release, everything mm-hmm. set up.
0: The journalism that they need to have set up for yeah. it to be covered.
1: Yeah, all that stuff, and uh, yeah, so I, I, I can't imagine it being able to come out next year, but yeah that would be
0: tight <laughs> well thank you so much for, for coming and, and doing this with me it's been a, a really enjoyable conversation with you and and I'm excited to throw a couple tracks into this thing and expose some train house for everybody sweet yeah thanks for having me yeah alright
1: yeah. all that old Grigand brother and drenched in wine and talking, but just And hot and cold ideas Every shadow passing track in yellow
0: From Dreamhouse, i.e. Chris Chaveo, and uh, can't wait to hear his new record with his entirely new band that he's been performing around town with. Um, I know I'm going to put up the link to uh, finding his music for you on Bandcamp, and you can still download it. The tapes are sold out, but you can still download these uh, pretty tunes. And um, I want to let you know that a lot of podcasts are saying you know they're taking a winter break or whatever uh the last episode is this week of the year i'm not going to do that to you i'm going to give you uh, a couple more episodes over the next couple of weeks so uh if you need to you know escape to the basement and listen to something and not deal with your family you can do that uh and still find some source of inspiration All right, um, go support and help make music profitable again by buying these musicians' music. Uh, It takes money for for them to get it to you. So try that out. Go to our Twitter page if you want to find more on these artists or more on shows with BD and the Sheiks or whatever. We have the handle at right behind us spelled with a W. You can find pics of our guests on my Instagram. Uh, Just look up BD and the Sheiks. Thanks for listening, and remember to subscribe on your podcast app and write a review. Four to five stars is what we're looking for, so help us out. And uh, if you do that, it'll allow me to keep bringing you more and more talented musicians to listen to. With that, I'll say, until the next episode.